0: Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Life of a Fashion Student podcast with me, your host, Christina Eng. I know I already put up an episode this week and you're all probably wondering why I'm uploading another one because sometimes I don't even upload one episode in a week, but it's because this episode is super special and I'll discuss why. So I'm pretty sure I've discussed this on here, but on top of all of the fashion classes that I'm taking at Parsons, I am also taking a language and social justice lecture and discussion course at my school. Honestly, it's been such an interesting class for me and definitely a change of pace from the typical fashion material that I'm working on on a daily basis. It also really takes me back to my Bronx science days where I had to do really heavy readings and text analysis, like essays and all of that. And as much as I don't like to be reminded of my high school days, I do like the fact that I'm able to stretch my analytical muscles from time to time. So you're probably wondering what all this information has to do with today's episode. And for one of my assignments for my language and social justice class, we actually have to conduct a form of text analysis based on language and how language can affect issues of social justice. My discussion professor, shout out to you, Atul, for letting me do this assignment. Um, He actually gave me permission to record a podcast episode for this assignment instead of like writing an essay, which, how cool, by the way. So I thought, why not kill two birds with one stone and film a little informative episode for y'all while also getting my text analysis assignment done as well. But also, not only that, I thought that this episode would be a really great way for you all to learn more about what I'm doing in my classes and just talking about other important topics as well. So that's pretty much the whole explanation of why this episode is going up even though I've already uploaded one earlier this week. I want to get right on into discussing some of the topics that were brought up for this assignment. My professor really gave us the option to explore so many different topics in linguistics and one that really stuck out to me was the topic of gender language. And this is obviously going to be a really information-heavy episode, but don't you all worry, I will be learning along with you and providing, you know, all of the research and details that I have done prepared for this episode. Starting off, you're all probably wondering, what is gendered language? And I had that same question too, because I had a pretty good idea of what it meant, but I wanted to know for sure. So I'm providing you all with a really solid definition of what exactly that term means, I found on a website called britishcouncil.org that gendered language is defined as language that has a bias towards a particular sex or social gender. Let me tell you all that when I was looking through the topic options for this specific assignment, I was weirdly drawn to this topic of gendered language and I immediately wanted to know more and more about what this was and how it affected social justice. I've never been and I've mentioned this before But i've never been someone who believes or gives into gender stereotyping i think ever since i was in middle school and even you know into high school i would question a lot of things and why they were the way that they were this is especially when i was learning other languages like latin throughout high school and even learning french now but i'll definitely get into gender language in other languages a little bit later it's funny though because in english as i'm sure most of you all speak since we're listening to this podcast together English doesn't have grammatical genders like a lot of other languages do, like French, for example. But in so many ways, in the English language, there is still the existence of gender-specific terms when it comes to referring to professions, and most especially when you're referring to people. For example, the words businessmen and firemen. There have been studies conducted that when people were asked to visualize, describe, or illustrate what a businessman or fireman looked like, they were mostly doing visualizations of men doing these jobs and in my opinion and I think everyone can agree words like you know those words that I just gave are pretty much enforcing the really outdated thoughts that men are considered the norm when it comes to these professions and women are just considered something different from the norm. So why exactly am I bringing up this topic of gender language and why is it so important? I guess nowadays and in more recent years we've, as people, become more open-minded about gender roles and gender norms in society. One example, which I'll talk a little bit more um, later, is how the fashion industry has transformed to include gender-bending fashion to break down rules of who can wear what, and it's more about creating this gender-neutral space for people in all industries, not just the fashion industry. Even though we've come a long way from what we've seen historically, we do still have a really long way to go, as it goes for, like, everything, And I think a big part of where we still see these gender biases is in language itself. It's something that people don't really pay much attention to, but something that's all around us and kind of goes unnoticed. So this topic is super important and I'm really happy to be shedding some light on it because it very much contributes to this continuing divide between genders that we should be trying to eliminate. So as I was doing my research for this episode, but also for this text analysis assignment, since this is technically my homework for class, I read this anecdote that I wanted to share with you all. So basically how this anecdote goes is the English teacher Julia was saying something, and she was saying something along the lines of, an advanced computer user knows what he needs, And, you know, she said that sentence and then a female colleague interrupted and said, are you saying women cannot be advanced computer users? And she said that in response to what Julia had said earlier and she used the pronoun he when she was referring to advanced computer users. And I thought that this little anecdote resonated super well with this topic that we're talking about right now. And basically, if you didn't catch what was going on in like how I described it, because I'm not sure how clear I described it, the teacher basically said an advanced computer user and then went on to use the pronoun he without like any thought whatsoever. And that is why the female colleague interrupted her and kind of looked at her like she was, you know, her personal enemy. But the fact of the matter is, we're not, well some of us, are not consciously thinking about what we say and the pronouns we use to describe certain people. So the teacher probably wasn't thinking about it when she used the pronoun he to describe the advanced computer user instead of using the pronoun like he, she. That was just something I found super interesting and it resonates with something that a lot of us do, I'm sure. And I'll be the first to admit that I'm nowhere near perfect when it comes to pronoun usage. In fact, I'm sure I would have made the same mistake as the teacher did. Something that also came to my mind is how in these episodes sometimes I use the word guys to describe all of you listening And I say it unconsciously without even thinking about it, but to some people it's actually really triggering and it is in fact politically incorrect. Also just wanted to apologize in advance because I'm well aware that I use the word guys way too often to describe a group of people. And the most ironic part is that according to my Spotify stats... 81% of my listeners are female, 12% of my listeners are male, and 6% of my listeners are not specified. So it's just really interesting how I say the word guys a lot, but majority of you guys listening are in fact females. So like using the word guys is just something that I inherently do, and I even do that when I'm speaking. I find myself using guys a lot in conversations, I'm not really sure why. But that's the kind of gendered language that is pretty problematic to society, Another example is like using the word mankind because that word inherently excludes women from the mix and makes them pretty much invisible. That word also tends to demean the contribution to society that women have made, which is quite horrible being a woman myself. But I'm not going to lie, there are times where I've, ha- where I've you know used the word mankind and I just wasn't thinking about what it actually means and what it means for society. So shifting gears just a little bit, I kind of wanted to also discuss the appearance of gendered language in other languages, like I mentioned earlier, um, Latin and French, which are two languages that I've studied in the past. And I won't talk too much about Latin because let's be real, I haven't studied that since I was in high school. But French, a language that I'm very heavily learning right now, has these examples of gendered language in a little bit of a different way than English itself. And I actually found this really interesting image on Google that I wish I could share with you all visually, but unfortunately I'm going to have to describe it since we're not, you know, face-to-face and you can only hear my voice. So basically this image is showing a list of feminine and masculine jobs in French and seeing the list of these professions side-by-side is so astounding to me. And if you're not familiar with the French language, there are definite articles which serve as gender markers for nouns. So there's le, which signals a masculine noun, and la, which signals a feminine noun. Basically, the jobs that are listed under the feminine side are the following. And I'm going to say the English translation, obviously, because me just reading the French words is not going to help you guys understand. So under the feminine nouns, there's midwife, records keeper, goat girl, domestic servant, parlor maid, housekeeper, hooker, lamp maker, dry nurse, and hired assassin. And the next list are the masculine nouns, and so for that we have judge, lawyer, butcher, town counselor, village, policeman, surgeon, schoolmaster, pastor, and night watchman. So really think about the applied differences in the definite articles that were used to describe each noun. Even though I've been studying the French language for a little bit now, It's still really surprising and astonishing to see something like this but also you know what does that say about the gender divide or the representations of material differences in the french culture i can't really say because i'm not french um, i'm american but from what i'm seeing in those nouns it looks like there is a great divide in gender another thing that i wanted to bring up is i don't know if you all know the show emily in paris which is kind of going viral on netflix And they actually got renewed for season two, so yay to that because I do love the show. It's like my guilty pleasure. But anyway, besides all of the glitzy, you know, glam fashion that was portrayed in that show, that was obviously something really cool to see. I paid a lot of attention to some of the learning outcomes that I got out from that show, especially someone like me who is learning French in school and is watching that show. Um, but you know don't come at me i already know and have read all the reviews about how that show portrayed french culture in a really negative light and some of it wasn't even true and some of it was true i don't know but disregarding all of that drama i wanted to talk about one scene in particular where emily the main character had to do some marketing for a product called and without getting into too much detail about the product itself it was basically a product for the vagina i'm just gonna say it okay there it is and so, anyway, Emily in the show looked up the word vagina in French and it is la vagin with an L E, meaning it's masculine, as I described before with the French definite articles. Now, I'm not gonna lie, I was pretty astonished at the fact, you know, and I had no idea that the vagina in French was masculine. I assumed it was feminine, just like Emily did. So, Emily goes on to ask her boss, Sylvie, why it's le vagin and not la vagin. And Sylvie goes on to say that she doesn't really know why, but maybe it's something that a woman owns and a man possesses. And so naturally, as any normal person would do, I looked into this inquiry and, you know, because I was genuinely curious as to why the vagina was masculine in French. Long story short, there weren't any reputable sources giving a concrete explanation as to why. It was more like a long list of theories and thoughts on why they thought that this was the way it was. However, there was one really interesting thing that I read on Quora, of all places, that shed some light on the subject and whether it's 100% the reason or not that some nouns are masculine and some are feminine, it's still worth speculating. So anyway, I'm going to read to you guys what this person said on Quora because it's just super interesting. So this is what Lucas had said. In Spanish, the colloquial word for penis is feminine and the colloquial word for vagina is masculine. Grammatical gender has little to do with real gender. It's a way to divide words by suffixes, nothing more. Gender is not understood as proper gender. If a word ends in a certain way, it is masculine. If it ends some other way, it is feminine. Imagine we say all consonant-ending words in English are feminine and all vowel-ending ones are masculine. Vagina would be masculine and penis would be feminine. Men would be feminine and female would be masculine. It has nothing to do with gender. It has to do with inflection. English doesn't have that because English inflection is minimal to non-existent. Um, So yeah, he wrote a lot of other stuff too, but that's just kind of the main part that I wanted to share with you all. I think that it's especially interesting to hear his point of view offered because I always in the back of my mind question why some nouns were feminine and others were masculine. And obviously we don't have gender direct articles like that in English. So it's kind of a hard concept to grasp um when you don't really know the language that well. Yeah so I just thought that was super interesting and yes some food for thought if you're ever wondering the same thing. I'm sure a lot of you were wondering why that was if you were watching Emily in Paris, as as I had. But really, I know you all definitely didn't come here just to hear me rant about gendered language use in society. But the bigger question we should all be talking about is how can we combat this or what can be done to get rid of these biases. And I think the best thing that we as individuals can do is just to be consciously aware, aware of what we're saying, but also of what other people are saying as well. Just like when I mentioned to you all about referring to this larger group of podcast listeners as you guys or just small things in my daily life like saying mankind, those are really small but impactful ways you can help make other language learners aware of this idea of gender language and how to break it. Obviously, there's a lot to do on a much larger scale to integrate a more gender-neutral language learning system, but everyone's got to start somewhere, right? Even if that means correcting your friends and family when they're making gender-based assumptions or anything along those lines will really help in breaking this major linguistic problem. So I would say be aware. Awareness is really key and we're seeing that especially true in a lot of matters that are really prevalent today. So I've been going on and on about gendered language and what it means for us as a society, but I couldn't go on without providing you all with a little bit of fashion perspective since this being a fashion podcast I want to say that over the past couple of years, we've seen the fashion space move to more gender-neutral displays as a response to, you know, the heteronormative nature of retail and the direction that the retail industry is going in in general. Some gender-neutral language you'll hear or see quite often thrown around in the fashion space would be words like gender nonconformity, gender neutral, agenda, gender fluidity, gender binarism, androgyny. There are honestly so, so many more, um, but the basic message that these words and others are trying to convey is that there are other definitions of gender that may exist outside just female and male. And as someone who is very much a part of this industry, I love to see that fashion is really taking some strides in breaking the way we define people, to say in those two categories, men and women. I think it's really a breath of fresh air, and even seeing that amongst my fellow designers at Parsons and emerging designers in the industry is really something to be proud of. Of course, to everything, there's still so much that we can do to improve it, but I really do like what I'm seeing. So on this podcast, I provide a wide range of things from like tips to advice to so many other things, but I've never done anything like giving you guys all some brand recommendations before. So I thought that on the topic of genderless fashion, I would provide you all with some amazing brand suggestions that are really pushing the boundaries on what unisex clothing looks like. I'm sticking to some more affordable options on here just because I know that we can't all afford clothes that are like three to four dollar signs, but yeah. The first brand that I want to talk about is called Riley Studio. It's actually a brand based in London, and I'm a big fan of all of the clothes that they make. I mean, of course, or else why else would I be talking about them on here? But anyway, not only are they genderless, but they're a sustainable clothing brand too. So really, what more could you ask from them? I'll read a little bit about them for anyone interested in what they offer, but basically, they're an eco-conscious apparel brand with a mission to do better by the planet and its people. The company prioritizes transparency, providing information on each of their suppliers and factories within their supply chain. Also, they partner with companies that utilize regenerative processes to create materials such as recycled polyester, um, Econyl yarn, and recover yarn. So, to this end, the brand is not only innovative in its gender-inclusive philosophy, but its material use as well. Super amazing, and we stand sustainable and genderless clothing brands. Another brand that I've come to discover and love is called the Lonely Kids Club, and first of all, how cool is that name? It just sounds like something you'd really want to be a part of, isn't it? So, they're a Sydney-based brand and also sustainable too, just like Riley Studio, which is like a thumbs up for that. And let me tell y'all, this brand's graphics that they make are just absolutely adorable and totally worth checking out. The Lonely Kids Club prides itself on maintaining individuality and steering clear of trends while also providing a personalized experience for each customer and their company is passionate about mental health awareness as well as gender inclusivity and aims to create a safe space for both, which is really amazing overall. One brand that is a little bit more on the pricier side but I still thought it was worth mentioning is called Ecauslata. The main reason that I wanted to mention this brand was because while interning with the CFDA I actually had the pleasure and opportunity to meet the designers and founders Zoe Lada and Mike Eckhouse virtually you know over this past year and they were just two amazing people who gave some really great feedback on some student portfolios but anyway that's besides the point. I wanted to mention their brand because it's certainly very hot in the fashion industry right now but also they just make some super amazing clothing. Also, being in Parsons, there are just so many of my professors who will talk about Ecoslada to no end, and that is why this brand is always on the forefront of my mind. What I really love and what you'll find when you're exploring these brands, you know, corporate websites yourself, is that they don't separate their products based on gender descriptions. So instead, they separate their products based on the type of products they are. So the sweaters will be with the sweaters and the tops will be with the tops instead of putting it in like a male, I mean, a men and women category. And I think it really gives this fresh perspective in the fashion industry. And although it's nothing crazy innovative, like it's been done before, but there aren't really that many brands out there that are doing it. So it's quite unique and I'm totally in full support of it. Anyway, guys, that is going to be all for today. I know that today's episode was a little bit different. Well, a lot different from the topics that we usually talk about on this podcast, but I think it's good to switch things up from time to time. The brand recommendations were definitely something new, but I just thought it would be really helpful for me to provide this kind of information that maybe y'all might not know about and otherwise. I want to thank you all who have made it to the end of this episode and for sticking along and making this conscious decision to continue listening to these important conversations. Definitely let me know if y'all like these kinds of episodes where I just get super real with you and just talk it out while also teaching a thing or two. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning into this podcast and to hit the follow button if you're liking what you're hearing. If you have any ideas for future episodes, give me a DM on Instagram because I would love to hear them. Anyway, love you all always and see you next week for the next episode of the Life of a Fashion Student podcast.